if you kindly remain standing as if you're able, as a way to honor God's word, which today comes from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Hear now the word of the Lord. It is necessary to boast. Nothing is to be gained by it, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told, that no mortal is permitted to repeat. On behalf of such a one, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. But if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, For the sake of Christ, for whenever I am weak, then I am strong. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. We are in the middle of a sermon series uh, that we've titled, This I Know, Profound Truths of a Simple Hymn. And last week, if you were with us, You need to know that this sermon kind of bookends last week. Last week we talked about the line, little ones to him belong. If you remember, we we talked about the story that Matthew reports where the disciples asked Jesus, who is the greatest? And he pulled a child in close, put his arms around him perhaps, and he said, here, this, this is what greatness in my kingdom looks like. And we talked about how little ones, children, belong to him. Why? Well, what we said was that because children have no understanding of social order, they don't understand it, they don't get it, they're not interested in it. Today, I want to suggest that children, not only do they not have an appreciation of social order, but the greatness about children is that they have a deep dependency. They cry out for help. They understand that they cannot make it on their own. They are weak, but he is strong. That is our line today of the song. They are weak, but he is strong. Let us pray. Lord, these words are yours. And thus it is you who should speak them. So we ask for your help to hear the voice of your Holy Spirit that your word might be spoken to our hearts and our minds, your eternal word, your word that does not change. Amen. 
When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he had several objectives. One was to remind them that he had the authority to preach and to be their leader. There were others about who were claiming to be apostles, and they were going into the church and saying, we actually have the authority here, not so much Paul, and their message was distorting the good news of the gospel. So Paul is writing to say, on the one hand, don't listen to them so much, you need to listen to me. And so he is building himself up, but he's doing it in a very careful way. Uh, in a very graceful manner. He needs to say, I have authority here for all these reasons, but he's also mindful he doesn't want to be a boastful person. (laughs) That's a very uh, difficult thing to, a fine line to kind of thread. At the end of his argument, he says there, this, he says, Paul says, therefore, to keep me from being too elated, to having too big of a head, A thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Paul says that a thorn in the flesh, now what he's talking about here is some kind of physical torment or pain or hurt. We don't know exactly what it was, and it may have been spiritual in nature. Paul is talking about a limitation. A handicap was given to me. Well, what was it? He doesn't name it. Was it a limp? Did he have chronic pain? We don't know for sure. Was it an illness that kept coming back and back? Some have speculated maybe at the end of one of Paul's letters, he, he actually takes the pen and he writes and he says, see what letter, big letters I write with my own hand. Maybe Paul was blind, and when he wrote, the letters had to go out really big. His eyesight wasn't good. Maybe that was the thorn in the flesh for Paul. We do not know. But it was a constant ache, a hurt, that daily reminded Paul that it was there. And he said, it was given to me. And he didn't like it. And then he says this, that is why For Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Whatever that pain and that hurt was, Paul came to regard it as something, as a gift, a help to him. It helped him stay in touch with his limitations, kept him grounded. It kept him in a place where he had to ask for God's help and rely on God's strength. Now, in our society, we want to think that people with disabilities or handicaps are different. The reason we want to think that is because the disabled threaten us by revealing the disabilities in our own lives that we've been trying to hide. Now, the politically correct in our society don't want me to even use the word disability or handicapped. They prefer that I speak about the rights of the differently abled, they might say. I think this is a wrong move, especially here in the church, because here we ought to have the courage to speak about handicap, to speak um, exactly about the disabled as people who are weak. 
we need them, and they belong here. Because the truth is, we all, all of us in this room, all of us are suffering with disability. We all have weaknesses. It's just that some of us have been cursed with the ability to hide it very well. We can hide it and it's not seen. You know, one of the problems is that we live in a society that has taught us to get rid of things that are broken. It's too much trouble to fix the old washer and dryer or to keep repairing the car. If the car gets in a bad accident, we say it's totaled, right? It's totaled, which means it's, it's not worth fixing. Besides, you're a busy person. You don't have time for that. Just throw it out. Get a new one, we say. Which all too easily, this translates into thinking that people who are broken are a hassle. She has a drinking problem. She's totaled. I've got to get a new friend. He has a sexuality problem. That's, that's too hot for me. And then it's a very small step to say he has a physical handicap. I don't know what to say to someone like that. I'm afraid that I might say something wrong. But the Bible, the Bible turns this notion on its head. In the Bible, brokenness, weakness, is a virtue. Suffering is an occasion for joy. How strange. How very, very strange indeed. Paul says, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in touch with my limitations. Think about that for a moment. Whatever this pain was, whatever this hurt or this limp in Paul's life, he came to see it as a gift. I am being forced to be weak. And that's a good thing, Paul says. Boy, that flies in the face of so much of our thought in our society and in our world. Why in the world would we consider that a gift? Because Paul had a constant reminder that he needed God. The goal in life is not to avoid disability. The goal of life is to find the Savior. And our disability is always the means for discovering our Savior's ability. And that's the miracle of what's going on in your broken life and in my broken life in your disabled life, in my disabled life. We have the opportunity to discover something far more important than being healed of our disability. We found the God who is with us in the midst of our weakness and those hurts, those pains, those aches can actually create room, space in our souls if we allow it to say, God, would you come in here? Would you come in here and be near this? Now, notice, Paul does not say that he enjoys this. Now, let's be clear about this. Paul doesn't say, this is fun. <laughs> he never says that. In fact, 
Paul says, I prayed to God that he would remove it, that he would take this away. He doesn't say that this is the true path of happiness, this is the mark of joy, of easy living. No, he says, I hate it. I can't stand this thing. I prayed that he would take it away. But then he says in verse 9, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. There's a wonderful story in the Old Testament that some of you know about a man named Gideon. Gideon was a judge, and that was uh, as high as a position as you can get back in the day. They were the leader of the clan, and they were living in the promised land, and they had problems. Their problems were called the Midianites. The Midianites had attacked the promised land, and the text says they were like swarms of locusts. They were taking over all the crops. The Israelites were taking refuge in caves and in holes in the ground, and though they had not paid any attention to God for a long time, they now cried out to God for help. When everything's being taken away, they're crying, God, help us, help us, help us. So the Lord said to Gideon, Gideon, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. I'm sending you. But Lord Gideon asked, how, um, hold on a minute, um, problem here, Lord, how can I do that? How can I save Israel? My clan is the smallest clan in Manasseh, and I'm, I'm the least of my family. I mean, really? Seriously? Come on, God. Midianites. I'm, I have a little small group here. Um, I'm not much of anything. How would you assess Gideon's self-image at this point? Um, he found a way of viewing himself that would rationalize his passivity. He found a way of viewing himself that would justify his saying no to God's great call on his life, to the great adventure for which he was born. He found a way of viewing himself that rationalized his self-centered existence. And how did God respond? Did he say, go Gideon, your natural charm and your good looks are enough. <laughs> You're gonna, you, you actually have more strength than you know. No, that's not what God said. And that's not what God says to you and me. God said, he, said to Gideon, you're missing the whole point here. This isn't about your strength. This isn't about what you bring to the equation. This isn't about your army. I will be with you. I will strike down the Midianites as if they were but one man. Yeah, you're weak, but I am strong. So Gideon and his men went to war against the Midianites. Gideon recruited 32,000 soldiers to join him. The Midianites had 135,000 soldiers. Gideon was outnumbered by a ratio of four to one. And God came to Gideon and said, the enemy has 135,000 troops. You have 32,000. You've got a number problem here. Gideon must have said something like, God, I'm so glad to hear you say that. I, I was afraid you were going to send me into this thing. I mean, this is, oh, thank you. You see what I'm seeing. But God replied, no, Gideon. You don't even need as many soldiers as you have because this is my battle. I want you to send home everyone 
all of the 32,000, everyone who's afraid. I mean, you can imagine Gideon's response to that. He went to, he looked over his troops and said, God, everyone's afraid. Think about it. Well, 22,000 troops went home, leaving Gideon with 10,000 soldiers. Now they were outnumbered 13 to 1. And then again, God came to Gideon. There are still too many men. Take them down to the river, down to the water, and I will sift them there for you. Um, I will, if I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. And he said a real strange thing. God said to me, Gideon, separate those who lap the river water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down and bring it up to drink. There's two kinds of ways to get water. And so he said, this is how we're going to separate. So all the ones that got down on their knees to drink, the Lord said to Gideon, um, with these 300 men I heaped on you, you were going to send them home also. Midian's soldiers were now outnumbered, or the Midian soldiers now outnumbered the Israelites 450 to 1. See what God's doing here. He's got a reason for all of this. Gideon, he gave one more sign. Gideon took one step forward and miraculously outnumbered 450 to 1. They looked at Gideon, and the Midianites took off running. Israel was free, and they knew who their God was. It's my battle, God says. You do not need to live in fear. It's my battle. You do not need to live in fear. When I was young, in Sunday school, they used to teach this story of Gideon, and they'd say things to me like, to our class, like, you know, Gideon was strong, and Gideon was brave, and he trusted the Lord, and if you trust in the Lord, and you're strong, and if you're brave, then you will do great things. I was taught the same thing about David, King David. You know, David was little, and, but he was strong, and he was brave, and, and because he trusted the Lord, he was able to defeat Goliath. And if you're strong and you're brave, you're going to be able to defeat great giants in your life. So I get older, I see this is a very problematic message. What did Gideon do? Nothing. Nothing. Honestly, what did David do? Not much. This is all the Lord's doing. They were weak. The message that came to us when we were young was, you've got to be so that God can do. That's not the way it works, friends. God is not sitting back waiting to see if we're going to be strong enough. He's not. He is strong enough. What made Gideon wonderful? It wasn't him. It was God's strength. What made David a great king? When, it was when he, when he got to the bottom and he knew that he was weak and he cried out to the Lord and he said, I need your help, God. When he humbled himself and he said, Lord, I made a mess of my life. I've sinned before you. I need forgiveness. These were the marks of greatness. When he had confessed and said, I am nothing. I'm weak. I've made a mess. Lord, I need your help. I need your strength. These are the marks of greatness. When someone becomes acquainted with 
celebrates and uplifts their brokenness and weakness and says, God, only your strength can pull me up. Only by your strength can I do anything. Some of you know our son Andrew is severely handicapped. Our son Andrew has um, pretty severe autism, and he is in great need of all functions in life. He needs help. He's, from that standpoint, not able to do a whole lot. So he needs constant care. About five years ago, in our orbit, um, someone came into our life and kind of around our house and saw Andrew and his situation and said to us, you know, in my church, um, we have this group of people who are amazing super prayers. They're, they're amazing prayers. And I want to talk to them uh, because they've had great results with their prayers. And I want to bring them into your house and pray over Andrew and see if they might be able to heal Andrew and his situation. You know, when you live with someone like this, your first reaction to that is, you're kind of like, I'll try anything. Like, wow. But I slept on it that night, and I began to think through this, and Julie and I did, and it was unsettling. And it began to be very uncomfortable for us as we thought through that. Because what was the message? I mean, on the one hand, he was saying, um, Pastor, I've got some people that know how to pray a little bit better than you do. <laughs> I had to set my pride aside a little bit on that one. <laughs> but does that not say a subtle message that there are those that are stronger and can activate God better? God responds to those that are strong, so we need to call them in. And that was not good to me. It says things about God that I do not find in the Gospels. It was a message to me that I, I don't find in what Paul is saying here where he's uplifting his weakness. Lord, I do not know how to pray. I don't know how to do this, but I know that you do. But the other thing, the other part that was unsettling for me was the notion that our son Andrew was a problem to be fixed rather than a mystery to be engaged. Now hear me. Let me be really careful with this. We have prayed many, many times for his healing. <laughs> and there are days when we, oh, we say to the Lord, why? This is not easy. This is very hard. That we wish this were not so. It's hard. We have gone through all of that. Like Paul, we have prayed for this to be taken away. But maybe there's something else in God's great divine providence that's going on here. Maybe Andrew's entrance into our world, in our family, into our church, is a glimpse into God's mystery of how he's bringing salvation into our world. Maybe if we allow room for the mystery of it all, it just might lead us to a greater faith. Maybe our longing for God and His power to make all things new will be more real, will be more urgent, will be more, 
strong yearning of our hearts and our desires and our souls if he's with us. Maybe it will teach us a little bit more about leaning on his strength, his promises, his hope, future glory. If so, that is a gift. It's an amazing gift. It's something to be embraced. It's a mystery to marvel at, to say, Lord, we need your strength here. We know you can do all things. Paul said, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When we know or are in, in touch with our limitations, our weaknesses, it allows room for God's great strength to come near. He loves pulling us up. He loves fixing. He loves forgiving. He loves restoring. Little ones to him belong. Why? Because they're weak and they know it. But he is strong. 